Kelsey Zeiser. I'm a senior editor at Light Reading, and you're listening to the Light Reading Podcast, and we are at VMware Explore in Las Vegas, and I am joined by... I'm Sanjay Upal, and I run the service provider and edge business at VMware. Yeah, so good to see you, Sanjay. Thanks for joining me. Nice to see you as well. Yeah, so it's been a busy week. Uh, so many people here. I was impressed by how packed the keynote room was yesterday. Yes. Yes, it's been amazing to get all the people back together and, uh, you know, the energy in the room was fantastic, both Raghu's keynotes and, of course, some of the keynotes that followed after that as well. Yeah, had some really interesting discussions around, uh, you know, an ethical approach to AI um, and making sure that customers' data is protected and then also um, some announcements this week about the Edge Orchestrator and would love to hear your thoughts on that and, and how you're um, thinking that'll fit in with VMware's SASE strategy. Yeah. So I think our major announcement, of course, in the context of the software-defined edge was the VMware Edge Cloud Orchestrator. Mm -hmm. And I think the important part of this, um, of this product announcement is that the recognition that regardless of which layer of the edge stack you're talking about, so whether it's to support the end customer's workloads or it's to support the network and security services, as an example, with SASE, or it's actually to run inside the network itself, as an example, in the in the cell sites or in the core, we're all looking at places that are large number of dispersed locations where you, we need to have the software stack. And then you need to install it, configure it, operate it, maintain it, which means upgrade it as well. And with that realization, and of course our footprint that we already have with, uh, with uh, SASE and SD-WAN, felt that a zero touch and pull-based orchestration mechanism was going to be needed. Um, and it needs to be asynchronous, meaning that you have, you know, sometimes thousands, tens of thousands of edges out there. Each one of them wakes up and then pulls its profile, and they could belong to multiple profiles at the same time, but does it asynchronously? Because otherwise, the alternate mechanism that we use normally in the data center, which is, you know, essentially push-based push and expects to have a tight association between what's getting managed and controlled and the controller itself, that tight mechanism doesn't exist when you have so many edges in large numbers of dispersed locations. So that was the crux of getting to the VMware Edge Cloud Orchestrator. So the SASE Orchestrator had a role to play. What we do for automating cell sites, which is our telco cloud automation, that had a role to play. And then the seminal role was played by this project that we have in our CTO office called mm -hmm. Keswick. And um, that project uses GitOps to have the synchronization between the state that the edge is in and the desired state. So, and that all of that is done through this pull-based mechanism. So, we're very excited about that yeah, product. A lot of moving parts there, yes, for sure. Yes. Uh, so, how are your customers um, consuming SASE? Uh, I know there's a lot of different options, and there's also the um, kind of newer acronym of SSE. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what um, what are you seeing in terms of uh, some of the key components that they're looking for in a, in a SASE platform? Yeah, so I think the bedrock solution for SASE is the network itself and SD-WAN. So we always start off with that. We have you know, the most distributed network available, meaning that our SD-WAN service is provided from a set of POPs, and those POPs are provided both by us, but also our telco partners. And they work hand in hand because there's NNIs and federation between them. And so the, the, the network first has to come into consideration. And then based on the nature of the traffic, you have to insert security services either at the edge itself or somewhere along the way before the traffic reaches the final destination. So in our view, it, um, you know, the best solution really is, a, is a, the 
is the marriage between the SD-WAN and SSE. So SD-WAN plus SSE, of course, gives you SASE. Um, and our view is that uh, it needs to be a heterogeneous set. So you choose the best set of network services, and we believe that we're at least you know, one of the best and the leaders in that space. And then you attach it to any SSE that you have out there, including our own. So we, of course, have a, have a SSE of our own, so you can get a complete SASE package from a single vendor, which is VMware. But we recognize there's diversity on the security stack out there, and there's many other security solutions. So we've done, we think, a, a tremendous job in connecting our SD-WAN set of services to all the possible leaders in the SSE space out there. And then, of course, you know, post-acquisition also to Symantec. Uh, Abe and I were talking uh, yesterday about how it was important to have that multi-vendor approach where, uh, you know, if a customer is already working with Cscale or Palo Alto or, or someone like that, that they can uh, kind of, you know, simply integrate with uh, VMware's approach as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, we try to make it straightforward so that you can integrate, and that's done both you know, if a new SSE vendor came in, then lowest common denominator would be IPsec interoperability, but you can go above that, multi-tenant GRE, that's just in the in the data plane. And then in the control plane, make things really simple so that through single click, you can get connected in, and then you have to get the policies to match up together as well, because you don't want to set policies in various places. I think we've spent a lot of time in making sure that those two things combine together so that the enterprise doesn't have to go through a lot of manual hurdles to get SD-WAN and SSE to work together. Mm -hmm. Has uh, the distributed workforce and the need for remote access and also um, addressing some of the maybe security challenges in home networks, has that created some new challenges and, and how has VMware addressed that in the SASE space? Absolutely, I think that you know with the pandemic coming in, we really had a push to extend the corporate network all the way up to and including in people's homes. So we you know, had a solution for that, still have a solution for remote working, where we have to be really careful that, unlike in a branch office where that branch office is under the purview of that individual enterprise, when you go into somebody's home, that home network is being used likely for a variety of purposes. Mm -hmm. So it could be that there's entertainment traffic that is running, it could be several people who are working out of that home, and you can't afford to look at all of the traffic that is in there because then you'd be breaking some privacy boundaries. Mm -hmm. So we had to come up with segmentation in the home itself so that what we are doing is while we're acting upon all of the traffic, we have to do it in an anonymous fashion, except mm -hmm. for the traffic that we are definitely trying to improve the performance of to get back to the enterprise. Right. So, you know, that kind of consideration of privacy matching with performance and ease of use absolutely played a factor. And now, of course, we've released our um, SD-WAN client, which we are calling SODA for Software Defined Access. Because I like the soda, that acronym. <laughs> the soda then takes you to the pop, so you have mm -hmm. soda pop. Yeah, and so, I love it. <laughs> so, any of the clients have been tremendously successful. We acquired a company in order to get that done. And now we're finding use of that client, not just for things like remote working and, um, you know, people that are working from coffee shops and places like that, also their home. But also we're finding that places where you don't need a physical edge, then the client actually plays a really important role, both for zero trust as well as for the network resiliency that it brings. Mm -hmm. And so you, uh, you know, we've been talking about um, companies with machines or companies, agricultural fields or all kinds of devices that you could just put the client on and then you'd get the benefit of both zero trust and network resiliency together in one. Yeah, that's really interesting. 
Uh, and just to shift gears a little bit, um, also wanted to talk to you about the announcement with Betacom, and I know there's some other service providers that are now deploying VMware's private mobile network service. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and, and what you're excited about there. Yeah, so I think in the PMN is yet another type of network that companies, enterprises can rely on to get people to uh, you know run and access their applications regardless of where they are. And the reason for getting that done is because um, there's in many cases some of the existing networks are not good enough. And so what PMN brings to the table is that it provides you with the reach of connectivity and it provides you with more deterministic connectivity than you otherwise would have. Now it's not kind of a be all end all solution that you would deploy everywhere, but certainly in large spaces, things like uh, stadiums or manufacturing floors or um, agricultural fields, you, we, would, we would find requirements that could be satisfied by PMN. And what we've decided to do as VMware is is partner with the managed services providers, so the likes of you know Betacom and Boeing and people like that, so that what what uh, they can do is they can do all of the groundwork in terms of what's the site analysis, where should the access points be placed, where should the radios be placed, and all of this. But then we wrap it around with VMware's technology, so that we can provide a service that the enterprises can have the same kind of ease of use security network resiliency that they enjoy with SD-WAN. So it's um, it's yet another uh, underlay. We think it's a really important underlay. In fact, it's running here on the on the show floor. We're showing it with the Future of Retail um, exhibition piece that we have. And um, we have PMN running on a CBRS band. We've, um, you know, provide the service and we this is launched with initial availability. So we're looking for, and we have a few customers out there um, before we, you know, have to iron out some of the kinks before it becomes generally available. Mm -hmm. And it can be on 4G or 5G, right? Correct. That's right. It's either 4G or 5G. That's why we said it's PMN rather than the more commonly used acronym, which is private 5G. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Good to have some options there. Yes. Uh, anything else that you're looking forward to this week at the event or, you know, other topics that that um, are front of mind for you? Yeah, I think, you know, the, in general, the software-defined edge could be as big or bigger than what's happening in the data center. So, you know, in the data center, of course, the software-defined data center is where VMware made its mark, and then you have the public cloud coming in, and now, of course, multi-cloud approaches from enterprises. Mm -hmm. But what's happening at the edge is very, very exciting because of all the different diverse, heterogeneous types of endpoints that are producing data as well as then need to act upon the data once it's converted into knowledge. So what I'm really excited about is any industry that you look at is um, some, uh, you know, we, the, the use cases abound for the kinds of information that can be collected, whether it's manufacturing, retail, healthcare, utilities, energy, logistics, it's just on and on. And so the exciting part is that we're at an early stage right now of mm -hmm. the software defined edge but it could be as big or bigger than what's happening with the, with the data centers. And I think the other piece of this that I find very exciting is that the role that artificial intelligence will play at the edge is complementary but different from what's happening in the data center. So the large learning, mo large language models and you know the hundreds of billions or trillions of um, parameters that you need to tune them, uh, of course, extremely important and that you know the generative AI as opposed to the predictive AI um, it's a revolution out there. But at the same time, a lot of the things that are happening at the edge with much smaller 
models. Like mm -hmm. you can, as I was describing in the keynote yesterday, you can have a machine learning model that fits in 256 kilobytes of RAM. Wow. And you stick one of those sensors on the side of a machine, and just through measuring noise, temperature, and vibration, you can actually get to predict when that machine is going to, you know, not be performing correctly. Mm -hmm. And this is just one example, or the, you know, the police car that needs to get the computer vision feed and then recognize the number plates or bad actors that are in the vision of that camera, all of that needs to happen locally. And that is going to require a lot of machine learning at the edge. And that's very exciting because you have the machine learning and you give this dynamic result, but you need a software-defined architecture because the scale is very important, the life cycle management is very important, and that's where we come in. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, you know the software frameworks like TensorFlow Lite for microcontrollers, these frameworks are now becoming more and more popular. And then VMware, in a complementary fashion, we bring in our digital infrastructure that I think is just going to make the software-defined edge explode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so many possibilities there. And I thought it was uh, pretty interesting on the show floor. There was, a, I think it was a Ford F-150 uh, truck uh, that can, and that can utilize computer vision to monitor license plates, right? Absolutely. So the application is ANPR, Automatic Number Plate Reader application. And that's just one application. Um, there are so many others. There's digital forensics. There's, you know, actually recognizing people's faces mm -hmm. and everything. There's also, um, you can connect to, you know, drones that could be associated with that particular F-150 when it's out there, uh, you know, doing its thing, going to a crime scene. So there's just, this is just the first part, the first application, which is ANPR. Yeah. But uh, you got to have the, uh, the application make inferences as much locally as possible mm -hmm. because of the just the latency. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, thank you very much. It was great chatting with you. You too.